Hey, what's up? This is LZ, and this is episode two of On Serve. Riley Opeka may have won his first tournament this year, but the 21-year-old actually made his announcement in 2015 when he won the boys' single title at Wimbledon. We talk about what it's like being on tour and a special friendship with Taylor Fritz. It is a first junior grandstand title for Riley Opelka of the United States. The 17-year-old here wins the boys' title. Like his friend Riley, Taylor also won his first tournament this year. The new dad talks to me about what it's like being away from his family and facing the great Roger Federer. Oh, wow! One of the points of the week. Absolutely unreal athleticism from Taylor Fritz. I talked to both Riley and Taylor together as he traveled to one of their tournaments. I started by asking them about their friendship. You guys are boys, right? You aren't just next gen or past gen. You guys are actually friends. It's my understanding, Roddy, that you were Taylor's best man. Is that true? Yeah, I was. I was the best man at Taylor's wedding, which was a huge honor for me. But yeah, Taylor and I have been really good friends since we were about like 13, 14 years old. Um, back in, in Florida, where we hung out a lot at the USTA and in Boca Raton. And um, we've, you know, been playing same schedule similar tournaments ever since so we see each other almost every other week now there are many different ways in which um you know players interact on tour how often is it that two young players become so close early in their careers when they should be rivals um i'd say it happens a lot i think people on on tour um are pretty friendly for the most part and when we're from the same country and we're playing all the same tournaments and it's not just us you know we have a lot of other young guys that are uh, are with us like francis and um tommy mo uh, kozlov like there's just tons there's tons of guys and we're all we're all really close like those are some of my i mean best friends and i'm sure riley say the same some of his best friends that we just named off so it's like i don't know i think we understand when we're on the court against each other like we have to compete against each other but off the court you know there's no reason why we can't all be good friends so there are two different type of athletes you know when you look at the nfl or the nba in the 1990s even to the 2000s you weren't boys if you weren't on the same team then you weren't boys uh do you think that's something that's new in terms of just professional sports in general or do you just feel like you guys are unique I think it's I think it's somewhat unique to tennis. I feel like if I if I played on a team, I would only really be friends with the people on on my team. But because tennis is an individual sport and we're traveling year round, I mean, it would suck to just be by yourself year round. You know, you need some friends traveling with you. And um, yeah, I think I think that's the difference between tennis and other sports. If you don't if you don't make friends with other people in tennis, you're you're on your own in other other sports you can at least be friends with your uh, your teammates you guys were talking about basketball before we began the podcast is that something you guys like to do in the off seasons play or tennis doesn't really have an off season yeah um i mean I, it's it's dangerous you know i mean it's uh it's not like the for a tennis player to go out on the basketball court and and get like intense and physical it's you know it's easy to roll an ankle so you kind of i mean i have to be careful when i play to not bring too much like intensity but uh 
I watch a lot, and I, I, you know, I still shoot a lot. I'm just, like, pretty protective when I play. I can't play, like, too physical. And, Taylor, do you play ball? A little bit. Riley plays more and uh, is, is a lot more into following it than I am, but I'll, I'll play a little bit. I used to play in school just a bit. Mm. Like he said, you know, we you can't go, like, too hard, so usually we'll just kind of shoot around or do something like that. Is he better than you? Oh, yeah, for sure. You were supposed to say no. <laughs> I know, but I... I just I have to say it how it is. <laughs> I mean, Riley, you're unique in the sense that you're damn near seven feet tall, and obviously you still love ball. You talk about shooting and following so passionately. What was the difference for you in deciding to follow tennis as a profession as opposed to the, to basketball? Uh, you know, I think I mean tennis was always like my main sport. Like, so I never really like had to make the decision. You know, if I could go back and do it, I probably would have played try to make it in the league uh nba is like pretty nice life and those guys have a pretty sick pretty sick job i feel like and um have a nice setup so i i think i would have tried to play basketball if i could give another shot but uh yeah no i i love what i'm doing now at the same time but um yeah do you guys remember the first time you played against each other uh it wasn't that like far back was it was it do we play was it the Future. Well, I know that, that was the future in Spain. Yeah, the future in Spain. So, what, we were 16, 17? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as far back as people probably would think, but yeah, I think we played at a future in, in Spain when we were like 16 or 17 years old. And was it weird? Were you able to tell your brain, that's not my friend? I mean, how did you process that? Yeah, I mean, it was like any other match. I think both of us had plenty of experience, like, playing against friends before so it was nothing nothing too crazy what about for you riley was it weird looking across and seeing your boy not really no same just like taylor said you like you make friends in tennis from 10 11 12 years old and at the junior tournaments and you know it's always the same group of guys playing every week so you always end up having to play them you you, it's something you learn from a young age so i never doesn't really get awkward at all with me so this isn't a Venus and Serena thing where it's like hard for you guys to focus and not think about this is someone I care about. Um, I feel like Venus and Serena would do the same thing though. They set it aside and they just play, and that's you know that's that's what we do too. And, and like Riley said, you get used to doing that from like a really young age in tennis for sure. Yeah, but I mean, and we play against each other in the future for a winner makes 200 bucks they're playing in the finals of Wimbledon winners making a couple more million dollars so it's different I think for them as well and they're they're brother, I mean they're they're like best not only best friends but they're they've been with each other since you know they can they were like you know obviously playing tennis since they were one two years old so it's I think it's a little different with those two um Riley, I was watching the finals in New York, and congratulations on your first tour win. It was absolutely amazing to see, especially a service performance. But the thing that I liked the most was match point when you finally won a tournament, you kind of walked up to the net like a boss. I was expecting a lot more emotion. <laughs> like, this is your first tour, and you're like going, yeah, I was supposed to do that. Did, did, where, where, where were you feeling at the moment? Yeah, no, I was excited. That was a crazy week. Like, you know, I was down six match points against John, and, you know, I didn't expect myself to be holding the trophy there. I easily could have lost first round to Manorino. So, um, 
and then the final had some crazy, crazy moments with like some challenges that it ended up helping me out. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a ton of emotions, and um, I was I was really excited. But, yeah, I usually don't uh, I don't go too crazy on the court after a win, but uh, no, I was definitely uh, on cloud nine. Um, Taylor, did you see the match at all? Uh, yeah, I was following along, especially the score. I was following along the score as much as I could. But uh, yeah, I watched. I watched a good amount of the match from um, just from the app. It's tough sometimes to get tennis matches actually like be able to watch them. But but yeah, is that ESPN's fault? Um, I think it's tennis's fault for not being exciting enough for people to for ESPN to pick up, honestly. But. Um, Oh, let's let's have this conversation. <laughs> this is the sport that you've poured your heart and soul into, and you say it has an image problem. Uh, maybe not an image problem, but like, it's I mean, problem. yeah, I mean, people don't want to watch it really. So, I mean, that's that's nothing wrong with saying that. It's just that's kind of a fact. But hopefully, hopefully, this young group of American players can um, make tennis more exciting in the next couple of years and hopefully it will become a more uh, mainstream sport to watch in the U.S. like football or basketball or something like that. So why do you think people don't want to watch tennis? And one of the reasons why I ask is because, you know, easily the most famous um, female athlete in the world is a tennis player. ESPN, the magazine, recently published its world-famous 100, of which... of five out of the top 20 were tennis players. None of them were Americans except for Serena. Nonetheless, there does seem to be some popularity. Uh, Serena's, Serena's a different... Yeah, Serena is uh, you know, one of, obviously one of the greatest athletes of all time, so it doesn't matter what I mean, what sport she's, um, you know, she's going to be huge everywhere and anywhere but, uh, but yeah, there is a problem. I mean, it's not, not only Americans. I mean, just for example, playing in the New York Open the first three days. You know, there was less than 15 people there at all my matches. So uh, it's not, not only, it's, it's a problem in the States. Not, and again, it's not necessarily a problem. It's just that football and basketball are always going to be the dominant sports no matter what. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't watch, I don't watch any tennis on my off time. I'm, I watch football and basketball. It's not, I don't think it's really, I think it just is, it is what it is. Um, and obviously there's room for improvement and growth and, Guys like like Kyrgios and uh, you know Zverev are doing a great job. Kyrgios especially bringing different sets of eyes to the to the courts, and um, more people are kind of coming watching them. Some half of them there like rooting for him to lose, and the other half, you know, people one way or the other, people are buying tickets to either hope he loses or hope he wins, which is pretty pretty unique, and that's cool. That's special. I think that's something that. Um, people take for granted with Nick, and he's such an attraction. As well, and also it's like, I mean, I think not to say tennis isn't a popular sport internationally because it is, and it, it, that, that's you know the one thing it's it's popular internationally, but in the U.S. it's just like such a good sports uh, country with we have so many sports like we have the best. I mean, we have NBA, which people I mean people internationally love the NBA. NFL, which I mean, I I watch every single game. Like I love I love watching football and uh, college sports, college basketball, and college football. College, I mean, I don't I don't really watch that much college sports, but it's a huge market for people love college sports as well in the U.S. So it's like it's a lot to compete with, and it's tough when you you know you say Serena, 
Serena's the the best ever. So, I mean, like Riley said, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. They they will like people will love Serena and show Serena. So that's what the men have been missing for a while. They don't have a number one, and so I feel like if if the men if they don't have like a if we don't have like someone who's the best, they don't really want to watch it. That's an interesting commentary on just American culture to know that we're in an era in which three of the greatest players to ever pick up a racket are still very much involved in the sport, but because they aren't Americans, America as a nation is kind of shrugging its shoulder. Yeah, that's 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 kind of that's kind of how it is because we, I think the U.S. is pretty used to having someone who's like the best at everything to cheer for, and if if uh, they're not, then it, it's tough. But I mean, there's still tons of tennis fans that like that are big supporters of uh, of all the top Americans, like John, and you know, and not you know, not to take away anything from those guys, but I think that there's just a, a culture of wanting to see like the best. Yeah, yeah I've, I think Isner's been actually phenomenal. He's been amazing to be in the top 20 for eight, nine years in a row is pretty uh, remarkable, and especially in an era where, uh, I mean, yeah, he just picked um, the wrong time to to do it, obviously, so because uh, a guy like, you know, a guy like John that's been top 20 for so long in an era with Nadal, Federer, Murray, Djokovic, and then even Ferrer, like, just guys that have been so consistent for so long and so dominant, it's crazy, so... Uh, Part of it is also the, the, the timing, you know. I mean, there are many theories as to why no American male has won a major since Andy Roddick won the U.S. Open. Um, we don't have our best athletes. We don't have the right training. We don't have the right facilities. What do you guys think it is the reason why no American male has won a major in so long? Um, it's not. It's not just. Uh, I don't think it's anything with American males. I don't think it has anything to do with us having lack of resources because we definitely have plenty of resources. We have great athletes that are playing now even. It's just it's Federer, it's Djokovic, and it's Nadal. It makes it virtually impossible for um, for anyone to win a major. It's not – I mean, you look at how many times those – it's just been those three over the last 15 years pretty, pretty much – yeah, Del Potro's won. It's not an issue with 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 Americans. It's uh, it's just the era. I mean, obviously, um, Roddick was great, and uh, but and Isner Isner played and is played in such a rough era. He's still been in the semis of Wimbledon, and you know was points away from being in the finals. But um, again, it's just he would have to play Djokovic, who those guys don't they don't lose. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, Riley has a good point. There's just those guys are so tough to beat. It's like, I mean, yeah, and it's not it's not like it's the U.S. in particular. You look at any other country that's not those couple, no one can win a slam because they're just they're so dominant. And um, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years it'll it'll start to slow down because they're. I mean, other guys are coming up and they're probably. I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, no one, no one thought Federer would be still so good at. I mean, what's he? Thirty-eight, thirty-seven, thirty-seven, or thirty? Yeah. So, I mean, no one, no one, everyone's like, oh, Fed's going to be slowing down at thirty-two, whatever. But so, maybe he'll slow down when he's forty <laughs> and give everybody else a chance. But, um, but yeah, we have. I mean, we have everything we need to succeed in the U.S. I think we're just 
I don't know. I think we'll get there soon, though, really. Do you feel – I know we have outstanding American male athletes – uh, playing tennis, but when you look at the NFL, when you look at the NBA, do you feel like we have our very best athletes in terms of country representation? Um, it's a tough one, but we have, I mean, we have a lot of really great athletes that I think could have played really a lot of other sports, honestly, and been done well in a lot of other sports, but um, did I mean, it's not like NFL's new or NBA's new. I mean, did we did we ever have the best athletes all playing tennis? Like, no, I don't think ten- tennis was never, like, the number one sport. So um, I don't think it's any different from back when we had McEnroe, Sampras, Agassi, those guys, you know, I think. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's, that's our problem typically. I think we have plenty of ath- ath- very uh, good athletes playing. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you have to be a great athlete to be great at anything now in sports, but, uh, but yeah, I think the best athletes are definitely in the NBA. Um, what those guys are doing is pretty remarkable. They're a foot shorter than the average tennis, or a foot taller than the average, uh, tennis player, and they're, they're, you know, two steps quicker. They're, I mean, look at Kevin Durant. I mean, he's my height, and he's an unbelievable mover, unbelievable athlete. He handles like a point guard. That's just there's so many like Giannis Antetokounmpo is like the same. He's like what would be known in tennis as like a big man that's not moving well. Those I mean, those guys are covering the whole floor of the of the basketball court in three steps. So uh, there's definitely better athletes in the NBA, but. I mean, there's a reason why they they play basketball. I mean, Giannis is getting paid 200, going to be getting paid 225 million next contract, and Durant's going to be going to leave the NBA with them paying him over 500 million dollars. So there's also an appeal there that's uh, that's different. Okay, we've got more of Riley and Taylor coming up after a quick timeout. It's on serve with me, LZ Granderson. You talked earlier about the potential for loneliness on tour. It is individual sport, but compounded by that is a sport that lasts like 11 months and is nonstop in terms of travel. So what do you do to entertain yourself? Are you a big reader? Um, do you just stay in a hotel room and count the, count the minutes? Like, what do you do? Uh, I play video games. I, I travel with, like, a, my PlayStation computer. And so I'll play video games or, like, watch a show and go grab dinner with uh, with these guys and hang out with these guys because, I mean, that's that's the best part, I think, um, about tours. Just, like, I get to hang out with these guys all the time as well when we're not playing, so it's, it's always fun. How, diffi- how difficult is it for you in particular, Taylor, to be gone from home so much knowing that you're married and you have a little baby at home? It's tough. It's tough to be away, but, you know, I'm, I'm out... Uh, working for for them um essentially so you know it's it's necessary that i'm that i'm gone and i'm i'm you know trying to be the the best i can be and do the best i can and it makes it makes my time away uh i guess more more important to me because i'm missing out on being with them so i really need to like you know focus and do my best when i'm gone and uh, and, and they'll, they'll come with me to places they're here this week so it's uh, we try and break it up so I don't have to spend too many weeks in a row uh, away from home. 
What about you, Riley? Is dating life difficult because you're never in the same place two weeks in a row, really? Uh, yeah, I know, for sure. I, I have tons of friends back home. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people now, outside of once they're done with school, even though they're not in tennis, they're, a lot of jobs are traveling. So I have a lot of friends that are on the go a lot, too. And, and believe it or not, we, you meet a lot of people in, in different cities that we've been to. So every time we go somewhere, um, we can usually, I can pretty much, for the most part, link up with some of my friends, you know, especially during like french open or wimbledon u.s open i always have plenty of friends that are nearby that are willing to come out um and make the trip over when it comes to your expectations for your career what do you dream about i think we all pretty much dream about the same thing we all want to be the best in the world we all want to win grand slams but uh i'd say it's different um between you know someone's dreams and then uh expectations of someone truly believing and expecting that out of themselves and you yeah um yeah i agree i everyone everyone i mean i just dream of winning winning one grand slam you know (laughs) u.s open is something that that's what uh you know kind of keeps doesn't keep me going but it's why i started you know playing and why i've kept playing all over all this time was hopes to one day win win the u.s open so the U.S. Open is like the one tournament that you want to win for sure. Yeah, yeah, U.S. Open and Wimbledon for sure. The two most, I'd say, they are the most prestigious tournaments ever. So yeah, one of those two would be dream come true. Is that the same for you? Yeah, I mean, I'll take I'll take anything I can get, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to complain with a, with an Australian or French Open title, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, because we're American, the U.S. Open is definitely like the one that like we really want to win. And yeah, I'd say if I had to pick one to win, I'd want to win the U.S. Open as well. Are you recognized away from tennis? Away from, every every once in a while, not not that often, but um, every once in a while, I'm sure. Riley say the same thing. Are you recognized, Riley? For John Isner, yes. <laughs> People think you're John Isner. Yes, all the time. I swear to God. Do you lie and say yes? Yes, I am John. Uh, yeah, yeah. One lady was like insisting that I was John, and like did not even like give me the time of day to tell her that I'm not John. And so like <laughs> Fritz was with me, and I just wrote, I wrote John J O N on the ball. You you purposely misspelled John's name. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she wouldn't let me tell her that I wasn't John. So I was like, all right, you know, I don't want to just ruin her day and not sign John on the ball. I feel like she'd be kind of sad. So I, you know, I, deep down, that's what she wanted. So you wrote J O N I Z N E R. Just John. Just just John. Yeah. Just J O N. Have you ever deceived a fan, Taylor? Uh, I don't think so, because, like, if, if, I mean, no, I'll just sign my name, and if they think I'm someone else, then I'll just, I'll tell them, but, I, like, no, I'll just sign my name. <laughs> Talk about, a little bit about your relationship, if you have one, with the, the iconic three, if you will, Joker, is, Joker, I was going to say Isner, the iconic three, if you will, Joker, Federer, and Nadal. What is it like? playing against them what is it like being in the locker room with it what is it like just seeing what they do in the practice courts uh i mean for me it's changed it's changed a lot from when i first came on tour because like i guess when we were 16 or 17 like when we were juniors those guys like needed like a like a hit just like a hitting partner 
like it was like a dream come true for us to just like step on the court. I mean, for me anyway. I don't know Riley, but for me it was like so I was so nervous just like hitting with those guys, and then such a quick transition. A year later, like we're playing those guys, and like and um, we're kind of like I mean, once we step on the court against them, we're meant to be we're equals playing against each other, you know. So it's it's crazy uh, how quickly things change. When I first came on tour, it was just like they'd walk by in the locker room and I'd be like, oh my God, like, and now and now I've gotten more used to it, but still sometimes I have to stop and think like, like how am I so like casual with like Federer and Djokovic and it all there. It's just, it's just crazy guys that, you know, we grew up watching literally win everything. So, and I, I just played Roger at Australian Open. It's just, it's so, it's so crazy that like, 12 like 14 year old me is just watching this guy now I'm, I'm playing him at a, at a tournament so it's it's just it's really cool to it kind of shows shows us uh shows me anyway how, how far i've uh, i've come i guess who's the most difficult player for you i've only ever played fed out of those three to be honest have you practiced with the others yeah but so it's, it's a whole different thing but it, explain i mean it, they all do different things. Federer is so relaxed in, in practice, so it's like, I mean, sometimes I f- I'm wondering if he's even, like, trying in the practice, and so it's different when you play him in a match, obviously, and then Nadal is, like, he hits winners on the second ball of every rally when you're practicing with him, so, like, it's it, it's just, like, <laughs> so different when you're playing in a match, and then um, Novak... Novak's pretty serious, but I mean, every they just everyone brings it up a level in, in a match, so it's really tough to really tough to tell. What about you, Riley? Uh, I've never played with any of them or been on the court with any of them, so it's hard for me to say. But yeah, Ro- when Roger walks into a room, it's, it doesn't get it's still it's Roger, you know. It's uh, you don't I don't know if, get, you don't really get used to that. He's still just his presence and and. Um, you know, just knowing what he's done for the sport and knowing, uh, you know, he could have retired 10 years ago, but the guy obviously loves his job and, and is still the best in the world. And just how he carries himself, he makes time for everybody. You know, I find it comical. I know some guys that are, you know, ranked outside of the top 100 or uh, even, you know, just barely inside the top 100 that um, – are so full of themselves and, and sometimes can't even say hi and look at you and Roger is uh, the only guy that, that I guess can get away with anything um, but he I mean he came up to me in Indian Wells after he won his 100th title and was he came up to me to say congrats on my first title I didn't even know he, he really knew my name that well so uh, I thought that was special and uh, it just you know speaks how I couldn't speak more highly of him and it just shows you know um, what a great guy he is Damn, he knew you won. <laughs> he just oh, he, he keeps up with Federer. Keeps up with everything. He knows like everything about that's going on in tennis. Like he's he's very on it with yeah. that stuff. Like he knows everything going on in tennis. Special thanks to Riley Opeka and Taylor Fritz for letting me ride with him to the tournament, and to Chris Morales, Dan Zampillo, and Pete Genesini for helping to produce this podcast. If you like the show, please rate it and review it. And check out episode three with another pair of American tennis players, Sam Query and Bradley Klein. On Serve with LZ Granderson is an ESPN audio production. <laughs>